Hey everyone, welcome to the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and today we have another interview with a vampire fan who's going to be joining the show and talking about all of the reasons that she loves the AMC series and the Anne Rice books and where she is on her fan journey, and I'm really excited about that. Um, you probably know her from social media. Her name is uh, Jen Bowler, and uh, on social media on Twitter, she's at Creative Spoonie, and on Instagram, she's at Creative Spoonie with an underscore at the end. And Jen reached out when, uh, you know, early on, and and really just wanted to kind of share her story, and and it seemed like a really good, uh, a really good fit because she's actually fairly new to the fandom, and so hearing her take on the show and her perspective on on how it unfolds as she's reading the books in real time is fascinating. And so we had a really great conversation and I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's a long one. It's a long conversation, but it's uh, it's definitely something if you're into the Vampire Chronicles, you're going to want to listen to the whole thing. Um, and I'm not just saying that. It was a fun conversation and I look forward to having many conversations with Jen in the future. Um, so I'm not going to say too much going into this. If you're listening to this, uh, I'm releasing the podcast after the season finale. So if you haven't caught up to the season finale, then there's definitely spoilers ahead. So make sure that you catch up before you listen to the rest of the podcast. And um, yeah, I think from there, it's just, I really want you to enjoy these these fan podcasts. I think it's, uh, I, I think we live in a really unique time when we can reach out and talk to fans all over the world. And I love being able to help facilitate those conversations. So, you know, I know there's so many chat rooms and Discord groups and FaceTime groups and Zoom groups. And there's also, I mean, the fans are reaching out across social media. And I think it's a great thing for those who want to talk about their journey and, and to do it, you know, in a public forum. I'm happy to use my podcast as a vehicle for that. So if you're interested in joining an episode of the podcast, hit me up on Twitter and let me know. And um, my handle is at Sarah Beth Pollock, and I would be happy to host you on the on the podcast. I would love to chat, and um, I'm not kidding when I say I feel a little bit like Daniel Malloy, and and having these conversations. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. I hope you enjoy this too. So again, this is my conversation with interview with a vampire fan, Jen Bowler. So today I am chatting with a fellow interview with a vampire fan, and you probably know who she is without me introducing her, but I'm talking with Jen and on Twitter and Twitter, discord and Instagram, she is known as creative Spoonie, but Jen is a massive fan. And as soon as I decided to open up the podcast to, uh, to fans and, and to have conversations, she was one of the first people to, to reach out. And so I'm so happy to have her here. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I, it was such a perfect moment in, in time that you um, w- decided that you wanted to do this. And I, I don't even think you had actually announced yet that you wanted to open it up to the fandom. I had just found your, your podcast. And um, since, like, since most of it was you interviewing like one person um, or doing it on your own, I thought, you know, well, maybe she'd like to have someone else to talk to, to talk to. So let me just 
take a shot in the dark <laughs> and then ask if, if, if I could be a guest because I want to talk about this so much. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know what? I think it's, I think it's fun to be able to, you know, as this, it's such a, an interesting thing. I've, I've had this conversation with so many people, but the, the notion that, you know, so many Anne Rice fans have been around for, I mean, the books have been around for 50 years. And so there are people who have been reading these books for 50 years. There are people who discovered them, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And then there's some people who just got into them six months ago. And so there's this wide range of fans, but we all, we haven't always had the ability to, to interact with each other. And that's one of the beautiful things about this show is that all of a sudden, you know, not only is there this, this show to be excited about, but we can now have this community that's, you know, through social media and, and all of the different platforms. I mean, there's from TikTok to Discord, to Reddit, to Twitter, to Instagram, to, you know, I'm sure they're on Facebook. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. Everybody is everywhere. And so, you, and you have people from all different backgrounds all over the world. So to be able to talk with people, you know, because when I first started reading the books, I was in high school and, and you didn't really, it was, it was in that, that funny age where you didn't want to talk to people online because there were only yeah. certain people who were talking online yep. and you didn't want to talk to those people. <laughs> like, yeah, they, absolutely. <laughs> you did not want to go into those chat rooms and uh, because it was a very different thing. And, you know, so, so being able to do this is so exciting to me. So I'm so mm -hmm. glad to be able to do this and, and to open up and, um, I'm not kidding when I say that I kind of feel like Daniel, you know, it's like, I want to hear your story. I want to know yeah. how you came into the fandom. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just going to Halloween's over, but I'm just going to pretend, you know, that I'm, I'm this random person asking for people's life stories and that's what we're doing. And, and, and it's all in celebration of this show and these books and this universe that we love so much. I think that's a great, that's such a great idea. And like, for me, um, I, I knew about the books for a long time, pretty much since my teenage, pre-teens really, um, when the movie came out, that was when I first learned about the books and the story. <laughs> Interestingly enough, and apologies for anyone who is a big fan of the movie, but um, the movie actually turned me off from the, the whole world, primarily because of Tom Cruise. <laughs> his, I thought that, that like his portrayal of Lestat made, it just made the story um, very unpalatable, totally unpalatable for me. And I was like, you know what? This is just not some, this is just not a, a story that, I, that, I'm, that I, I'm interested in. But then here we are years later and then um a couple of you know a couple of years ago when it was announced <clears throat> that amc purchased Anne rice's all of Anne rice's material i was like well this is interesting because i was at a very different place in that um i had really started getting into a lot more um fantasy um media like um I'm trying to remember the first thing that really drew me in. I think it was True Blood actually was the first fantasy related thing that um, that I got interested in. And after that, um, like I watched the show and then I started reading those books. And then 
Um, let's see, there was, and then after that, like pretty much all of the popular, like vampire, like vampire diaries, you know, I watched those. It was more like, you know, campy, young material, but then the originals came out that was a little bit more adult oriented and, and a little bit more gothic and dark, which I really liked. Um, and then I got into um, the All Souls trilogy or series. Um, and that was really, really beautiful to me. That whole, it's one of my, that's one of my all-time favorite series. I absolutely love it. And that just made me you know, really like the whole fantasy vampire idea even more. And it was while I was um, in this hyperfixation with um, the All Souls series that I saw the announcement from AMC that they had purchased this, the material from Anne Rice. And so I was like, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's going to end up turning into. I remember, uh, I think I was having a a face FaceTime conversation with my best friend at the time when when the announcement came through and I was scrolling simultaneously through Instagram. I was like, oh my God, check this out. <laughs> and you told me I was like, this is probably going to be really cool. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, this is going to be something very interesting. And so as soon as the first two episodes dropped, um, I went on on uh when they first dropped on AMC, because I hadn't gotten AMC Plus yet, uh, when the, the first two episodes dropped on AMC, I went on and watched them. And by the end of the first episode, I was so hooked. I can't even, I don't even know how to just, just how to describe it, except to use, I, I say this all the time, I use Louis's phrase of, of like all of its spindly roots have gotten in me <laughs> and I'm just like I belong to this world now I went online and I bought um, the first four books while I wait was you know waiting for the the next week's um episode and I read <clears throat> interview and the vampire Lestat in the that week in between those two episodes and episode three so I had a much broader understanding of the story by the time episode three dropped because I had already read the vampire list dot also and um yeah it's it's really been interesting to it's it's kind of been unique to just get into the books now because even though I am 100 percent um a book fan and and I I love the story as it is I don't think that like there wasn't this long period of time of having, you know, the obsession, which it is absolutely an obsession on my part with the books to make me like a, a book purist extremist. Mm. Although I'm not really that type of person anyway, so that might not have happened, but, you know, not having that time to really simmer in with books to get like my feet dug in on certain things. I think has made the, the changes even easier for me to take. Mm -hmm. um, I never had, a, I, have, I haven't had a problem with a single one of them, honestly. I, I think that all of the changes that the show has made so far has actually enhanced the story. The only, um, the only choice that I'm not okay with is, is the sexual assault. And I think that's kind of a universal thing with women. Um, 
viewers, at least from everyone that I've spoken to, is like, that's just a trope that needs to die, but it's, it's still so prevalent and it's, it's going to be in everything for a while before it finally dies out. So I get it. But other than that, I, I'm really, really happy with every decision that's, that's been made and every change that's been made and the way that it's been handled and the absolutely beautiful way that they started introducing these inconsistencies here and there in episode three and then started like adding more and more of them in there like wait you start thinking wait really wait what (laughs) are you sure Louie and then you get to the end and it's like whoa okay so nothing is true (laughs) everything could be like everything is called into question at this point we have no idea which thing is true and which one which isn't what you know what part of this is is you know Armand's brain scramblies what part of this is Louis's self-delusion what part of it is you know is actually what is that what happened I mean everything is just so up in the air and I love that love it you know it's it's funny because prior to this prior to the series I never really stopped to think about how you know, like, and I'm right there with you. I don't think there was any change that, that really changed the course of the series, you know, that it, it, I think it's all either necessary or it enhances the story in a way that makes sense. Because as Roland Jones had put so well during Comic-Con, you know, this is a series that looks at the entirety of the Vampire Chronicles and not just the one. Um, Because, you know, I, I saw Interview with the Vampire in the theaters like I did mm-hmm. in 1994. And then about a uh, less than a week later, I just happened to be out somewhere where they had a copy and I was 14. Um, mm-hmm. I had a good, they, I had found a copy of the paperback. And so I started reading. So like you, I had seen the movie and then read mm-hmm. the book. It's like, you know, and, and I was 14, but I was, you know, well-read at that point. Right. And I was like, okay, there's a lot of difference. There's a whole lot of difference. And it doesn't mean that you can't appreciate them both for what they are, but they're right. very different. They're very different. So, but so similarly to your experience of watching this, you know, watching the show and then reading the books, you're going to see differences. You're going to see, you know, see things. And I feel like because we're able to, to have the entirety of the series that mm-hmm. they're working with, not only are changes essential, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget that Anne Rice was retconning her own story. Yeah. The later the books got, you know, there are things that she, there were things that she didn't like from interview with the vampire to the vampire Lestat. There was, you know, a period of time, you know, over 10 years where she retconned his story. All of a sudden he became the hero. He became the focus. He was more interesting than Louis ever was. Oh yeah, and, and this is this is not like this. I absolutely is one of my. I had a cat named Louis. Like, <laughs> like this is not an affront to Louis. Like, it's sure. just Lestat became more interesting. His right, story yeah. became more interesting, but that's because she went back and wrote a different story. And then by Queen of the Damned, you know, all of a sudden Armand's story becomes really intriguing. Yeah. and you know all it. So throughout the books, and then you know, by the time. By the time I read Memnock the Devil, mm-hmm. for me personally, I was like, okay, I'm not entirely sure I'm on board with all of this. Like, 
I don't quite understand. I didn't like that. Our, you know, what happened to Armand? I didn't like, it felt very, uh, it, it felt strange, the decision to, to you know, to, to end his life at that point. It felt strange that Lestat would become so, uh, you know, that there were the decisions that Lestat made. But then she comes back years later and mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, let's, let's forget that a little bit. Let's, let's move on. Let's, you know, Vampire La Armand yeah. kind of resets all of that. And then yeah. Lestat resets all of that. And, you know, Blood and Gold is one of my favorite books. And there's stuff that gets, you know, it's like there's course correction throughout absolutely and so you don't really stop and think about it but she's retconning she retconned the whole thing when you really look at it all of a sudden you know and then there's there's the graphic novel from claudia's perspective and so that adds some really interesting layers to claudia's story oh i didn't know about that yeah there is a there is a that's actually how i met ann rice was because at comic-con one year she was signing the graphic novel and there's a graphic novel. It's, um, I forget what year it was. It would have been in the mid 2010s, I think, or early 2010s. Um, and it's told from Claudia's perspective and it's, it's like her, it's her deal. And it's, uh, it's just a really interesting thing to think of all the things that have changed, but that's why it, it, I think and I would love to know your thoughts on this because there's so many, there's so many characters. I'm just excited to see these characters. Yes. Because after, you know, the, what I loved for all of the things that, that aren't perfect about the 1994 movie, what I loved is that we got to see the characters and it helped me as I was reading the books to be like, okay, now I have a visual of what Lestat could look like. Whether or not I even, you know, it, it doesn't even matter that it was Tom Cruise. It does, it's just, there's a visual, there's a real life right. person, which now, I mean, everything it's, I, now I just, I, all I hear is Sam Reed and all I see is, you know, is Jacob Absolutely. Anderson. All these. Yeah. That's I think I, I got love. really, I think um, I got really, really fortunate in the timing of coming into this because I never, there was never a time when, where I was reading these books with either Brad or Tom in my Mm -hmm. mind as visualized then you know it was always from the very from the time that I I picked up interview it was Sam and Jacob and they are perfection absolute perfection in these roles especially Sam he (laughs) he answered uh, several questions um in regard to um the allegations of his being possessed by the spirit of Lestat. (laughs) (laughs) And he is not doing anything (laughs) to tamp down those allegations. (laughs) All all of the answers were so Lestat-like. Like Mm -hmm. the first one was um, that the first one that he answered was um, (laughs) someone asked if if they thought that his his hair might have might be helping the possession thing and he he responds with you know I don't know should I cut it and see (laughs) (laughs) and then the next one was um uh like I can't it was just a a, like a really basic you know uh accusation and he's, uh, you know, or, or no, it was, do you think that, th- that 
anything will let you escape these allegations of, of being, um, you know, uh, possessed by Lestat. And he's just like, I don't know. Any ideas? <laughs> it's just so great. Like, he's so cheeky. <laughs> that's what I love about how they cast this series. Yeah. You know, when, when I think back to, you know, so when I think back to the 1994 movie, the only reason that my best friend dragged me to see the movie was because she was madly in love with Brad Pitt. We were 14. <laughs> you know, we were, we were 14. That's what everybody did. And, and Antonio yeah, we Banderas loved him was just coming, like Antonio Banderas hadn't quite broken into everything yet. Like, you know, mm. Mask of Zorro hadn't come out and, right. and you know, by, and, and Tom Cruise was already a huge superstar. So he had all of his fans, Christian Slater, you know, all of these characters were larger than life. Mm-hmm. The prospect of having those same characters play years and years and years of these characters, there's no way. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't happen. And so I think it was really smart to go with, um, and I don't want to, I mean, I'm not going to discredit, I mean, Jacob Anderson, Eric Bogosian are huge, huge actors, but to go with a cast that's committed yes. to years and yes. years and years that's the key because a lot of times you'll run into things where you know they get tired of things i mean this cast you can yeah. tell they are in it in it to win it yes term. and that's yep. the thing that gets me so excited so to hear you know that that sam reed is so enthusiastic like that <laughs> i love that because this is just the beginning like if you're not having fun right now yeah. You're not going to have fun five years from now because you're still going to be playing this word. Like you have now taken on the mantle of the vampire Lestat and you mm-hmm. need to know that, that Rollin is, it was very serious. It, I can't tell you how many times during Comic-Con at press conferences and in the panel, like he kept saying, this is years and years and years. Like we're mm-hmm. looking at like eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Of That's how long it's going to take to, to tell. Oh to- yeah to tell these stories and and I, I'm so excited too because there's these there's the possibility of exploring s- stories that are just barely alluded to in, in different books like you know because there are all these books where we don't see any of the characters except for whoever is narrating this particular book and then you know when they the little moments when they come into contact with the others and the show is not going to waste these characters like that right like they're all going to be in this everywhere and I'm so really super excited about about that and um oh what was it what was I just about oh the what you were saying about uh about the cast being in it it's so it's really obvious to me too by by all of their performances that they're all fans of the material of the source material and it also like it didn't surprise me one bit when I watched that long behind the scenes that's that's on um AMC plus when I I realized that literally every single person from the directors to the the producers all of the writers Rollin they've all been fans of Anne Rice for forever and a day. And it yeah. did not surprise me one bit because it comes through in literally every aspect of, of the show. It just, it, it, it's like Anne Rice just 
her her world is shining through the the characters the set design the direction the writing i mean it's all just it just screams the vampire chronicles and it, it's oh, yeah. beautiful yeah and and you know going back to you know i mean you can you can hear their commitment mm-hmm. and i think it's also important um you know because i'm i'm I, I always think about episode five and how hard it was for people to watch. And for me, and, and I'm just being completely honest, I didn't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you why. Because I've read all of the books. Yeah. It actually seemed kind of tame mm-hmm. with some of the things that happened. It didn't yeah. really, I never stopped to think like, oh yeah, that would be really hard to watch. And I feel bad for that, but I, but also it's, it's just that per se, it's, it's the perception of compared to some of the other things that happened, yep. you know, it, and one of the comments, I will, I will never forget this because I was going through Twitter after, you know, after the episode was available, and mm-hmm. people were, you know, people were so upset about it. And someone made a list of all of the things that Liz Scott does. <gasps> oh my God. Somebody... Oh my God. I have to stop you right there or else I'll forget this. The person who did that um, her her username is no context uh, listat de Leonco. Uh-huh. Sam follows her content and told her that in the <laughs> Q and A or in the AMA on Reddit. Didn't and didn't stop there. He said, "I think you and I would be friends." Wow. See, and and he's not on. I mean, the, the, knowing that they're not on social media. But they are. He's a lurker. Like, yeah, he's lurking. Yeah. And at I all love of this that. Stuff. I love that. But what I, the thing, what I was going to say that I think is so funny is that this person was looking down the list. They're like, wait, incest? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, you haven't read, um, you haven't read Blood and Gold and the Vampire Armand yet. Like, you don't know about that whole dynamic and, you know, Marius and, and Armand. And you don't know about, you know, I mean, even just, the age that Armand is compared to Daniel and their relationship. Yeah. And then, you know, there's so many different things that, you know, the psychological, um, you know, the psychological, emotional abuse that they inflict yes. upon each other constantly. There are a lot of really problematic things. Oh, absolutely. Happen. And even as in a, like, as I read the books now, and I think about me reading those books when I was 14 and having zero idea what I was yeah. in, I, there are things like, and I, it sounds really crazy to say, but like there were things I weren't even, I wasn't even aware of in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know things like that happened in the world because I hadn't been exposed to them. Yeah. And I'm reading them going, oh, I, I didn't know two people could do that. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like I remember yep. having these really interesting thoughts about what I was reading because I didn't have the, the, the context. So when I think about those moments and I think, you know, that they had to change a whole lot because if you start thinking, I mean, there, there are interviews between um, Brad Pitt and Kirsten Dunst mm-hmm. at the time that the movie, the 1994 movie came out. And then now when, you know, she's an adult and has kids and, you know, and she looks back and she's like, yeah, you know, I was, I was a little kid getting into a coffin with a grown man, or, you know, I had to kiss Brad Pitt and I was like 10 Yep. You know, like, and you think, and you stop and you think about it. And I'm really, that's why I'm so glad for the changes. I'm so glad that, mm-hmm. you know, that Assad is, is 
older than Armand was supposed to, like, that doesn't bother me. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that we get to see Daniel and Armand somehow, because I, I do, I agree with Jacob. We are, we're going to see it. That, you know, that he loved the Night Island stuff. I love, that's like my favorite part of Queen of the Damned is that section. Um, you know, but, but I, I do feel like they, in order to make this series work, it had to undergo a whole lot of retconning because there are a lot of things that work in a book that don't work. Do not, yes, don't work in a show. Can't do it. You know, just, it, um, it just, you know, I was trying to explain why some people like, like mafia romance to somebody like Mm -hmm. five days. I was like, I was trying to explain that to someone. I was like, yeah it works better as a book. I don't know why, but it just does. Yeah. It's really hard to, um, it's really hard to, to, to convey certain things and certain concepts without, uh, you know, without knowing how to, how to do that in real life. So yeah, there are a lot of things that don't actually translate well. And I think that there were a lot of things that if they want to stay with this series, they had to change some stuff because it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. And like, um, you know, like the aging up of Claudia, so important. And, and the, and the fact that they are, they don't seem to be, I hope, oh no, I know that they're not because Jacob said that they're not going to do the incestual thing with with Louis and Claudia because that was one of the most uncomfortable aspects of the book for me um, like one she's you know her she's in the body of a six-year-old two this is someone who is your daughter I mean you know it's like just it's too much and, you know and it's not not as as intense with merit with the Marius and Armand to me because at that time um you know in 15 what was it uh 1500 I guess really wasn't that unusual for a 40 year old man and a 15 and a 15 16 17 year old guy to to be in a relationship because at that time 15 16 and 17 was adult you know had been married for years kind of adult right so that wasn't really that never really bothered me um but the 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 Claudia Louis thing definitely did. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't ever want to to see that again, you know, from from like from the movie in the in the 90s. I, I don't ever I don't ever want to see that again. That, that's just no no more of that. <laughs> but see, and, and and that's what I think is so you know, I've always said that Anne Rice is always she's the one who got me into history and got me into, you know, appreciating history. And I, I loved the idea of like being able to study history or like, you know, if you could talk to one of these characters and ask about the time period and what you'd learn. And that's the complication that you run into. I mean, I, I was, I was intrigued by, before they said what they were doing with the actual series, mm-hmm. I was intrigued because it was, the announcements were coming right around uh, you know, the, the launch of the Black Lives Matter movement. And yeah. I was thinking it would be fascinating to have a conversation with a modern day slave owner mm-hmm. as Louie would have been, yeah. but it would have been complicated 
because that would have taken, I think it would have, it would have changed the narrative so much that mm-hmm. I think it was smart to go with a Creole black man in that time period and be able to kind of convey that this was, you know, this was something that this was his life at this time. And even becoming a vampire, he was still subjected to a lot of, of the things that were happening. And he couldn't, that it didn't matter that he was a vampire. He still had to act as the, you know, the, the chauffeur and the, the butler and like that. So I think it was a good choice, but it's one of those things where historically you're absolutely right. I mean, things that Armand would have been considered an adult yes. in that time period. Um, have you read the vampire Armand yet? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm about 70% of the way through blood and gold and I'm terrified to finish it because everyone everywhere is saying how they hate Marius after reading blood and gold. I love Marius. And (laughs) I mean, it's like, I've gotten to a a bit of a debate with with someone, which I'll get into a little bit later, but about Marius, like at this point, I'm like, I'm 70% through and I, I, I know something terrible must be coming, but at this point it's like, and I think with every page I read, I'm like cringing a little bit, like just like, <laughs> is it gonna happen now? <laughs> like, what, is, what, what is about to happen to my Marius? So I, I know, and I've accepted it, you know, I've accepted that Marius is, is, is gonna turn out to have done something terrible, but I think he needed to, because he was like the only character in the series who really has had, was, blemishless I mean him and David yeah were just too pure you know they they need it you know this is this is a gothic dark story they need some darkness so you know I've I've accepted that something terrible is is coming and I don't think it's going to make me hate Marius either way just because like I said I, I think that he has been a little bit too pure so far and I'm looking forward to the complexity because I love complexity in characters. I love layers and nuance and, you know, like I think to me in all of the characters that I've read about so far and all the stories that I've read about so far, the only character um, that could potentially be seen as a as a legitimate villain is Armand um and I have a really hard time like wishing for Armand and Daniel to get together because I am so in love with this Daniel this Mm. Daniel is so I want to protect him from every Armandness that is coming his way (laughs) Because in, in going back and watching, re-watching the show, I, that's what I, I did today in preparation for our, our conversation here. Yeah, I went back and, and started with episode one and, and finished with episode seven, like an hour before our <laughs> meeting time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I can definitely see some moments where it could be, can it could be construed that Armand is um, becoming, at the very least, interested in Daniel as a person, mm-hmm. and kind of in the, like I can just see Armand looking at Daniel as a new fly to pluck the wings off of, mm-hmm. and 
I hate that for him because I just <laughs> this deep so much. You know, I'm and, I'm kind of curious because I think that I, I will say that I've having read Blood and Gold several several times. I still love Marius, so don't okay. worry too much. I still <laughs> love him. He, nothing will ever change that. But I'm starting to wonder if the dynamic is going to be Marius Daniel the way it is there. That and could... that's how it's going to become, you know, that, that maybe Marius swoops in and saves him from Armand, you know, because Armand is so manipulative and maybe says, you know, hey, like, let's, I, I can save your life, you know, because the, the whole Parkinson's thing is so fascinating. And I think the key, I, I, I'm sure you picked up on this too, but the, the key in the, in what he says at the end, um, you know, when he's kind of, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, you're still a pimp, you know, I can be bought off. And he's like, you know, I don't have a legacy. I'm, my career's washed up. But the thing that stood out the most was that his daughters aren't talking to him. Yeah. And that means that he is free because that would have been the only tie. Like in the, in the, the premiere, when he goes through the closet to get the, the radio mm. and you see the, the little girl stuff and you're like, oh, he has kids. That changes everything because yeah. that to take their father away from him from them like that's weird but yeah. to hear that he doesn't have a relationship then opens things up to be like okay well he died here's some money yep and then that's he's gonna go live his life so they definitely painted the way forward for that and and Eric Bogosian keeps saying how much he wants to play a vampire so oh yeah I feel like it's coming it's just it's just a matter of how and I I, I I'm really as much as I want to see that Armand thing I also love the Daniel, the, the, the connection with Marius. Yeah. And a lot of people I've talked to, they're like, you know, he's so manipulative and he's so, you know, overbearing, but I don't think it comes from a bad place. I think he seriously wants to take care of people so badly Mm -hmm. and he knows he loses everyone. So he tends to overdo it. Yeah. And I think that I think that's what I like about it. Is that I, I, I envy that. I'd be like, yes, yes. Let's just, yes. Yeah. And I, I think that it, I, you know, thinking about this, it's, it's got the wheels turning in my mind and it really would fit and make a lot of sense too, because they would be <clears throat> with Daniel being older, being wiser, having lived a full life. Like that's not something that Marius has ever really been able to have is a companion that has lived a full life mm-hmm. that didn't have this, that, that where vampirism wasn't traumatic for them. Like right. Marius, you know, he lived a full life. Like, so when he was turned as much as it sucked initially, it turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened to him. And that you know, with, with Daniel being the way he is in the show, I can definitely see that being a really good match for the, you know, for the two of them and a good way for, um, you know, for Marius to come in and, and help get him away from, from Armand. Um, because he's, Daniel is not going, he's not, he's not getting out of this alive. He's going to either be killed or be turned because Mm -hmm. of this Armand has revealed himself like he was screwing you know he was he was able to tell obviously because he's Armand as soon as 
Daniel woke up remembering that he saw Armand back in the day. Um, Armand was immediately like working on how to undo that. You know, right. he stood out, he, he, he took a few moments to stand out in the sun and talk on the phone. Um, you can see these, these instances where he makes eye contact with Daniel and Daniel gets dazed and he's like, sorry, I, I interrupted. And you know, you, you can see that Armand is doing some work in exactly. to try and undo what he's remembered. But once Daniel started to kind of inadvertently help Louis um, unravel some genuine memories, there was no way Armand was not gonna step in there because that's like Rollins said, you know, that's, he's not jumping in for Daniel's sake or for Louis's sake, he's doing it because this is a story that he has told to Louis and made Louis tell himself. And that story is starting, is, is gonna unravel, mm -hmm. it, you know, if, you know, with Louis getting more memories. And I look forward to seeing that too. I look forward to seeing Daniel helping Louis get his agency back, which has been completely just ripped away from him. Um, that last moment was so sad. And just it, they did a really good job in, in, in making it disturbing because it was very disturbing and sad with him, with Louis standing there looking like a droned out stepford wife holding Armand's hand with that creepy smile on his face, calling him the love of his life, which is not something that he would ever call any, any partner of his. Right. And you can see da uh, Daniel's face is just like, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> right, right. After all you've told, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, which it, it again, in this, this is where I think the timing is going to be so interesting because mm -hmm. if they met in the 1800s, mid 1800s in the book, and they spent quite a bit of time together. They were together from mid 1800s until um, the almost the 1920s. Yeah. So there was a lot of, I mean, they, they spent a lifetime together. And so that there was some authenticity to that relationship mm -hmm. in that respect. So this is where it kind of makes, it, it doesn't quite make sense. And I'm wondering if they're trying to draw Lestat out or do something to make, if that, you know, it, it, it seems very antagonistic the it way does. that they're, they're approaching this knowing, you know, cause he keeps, you know, do you know the danger you're putting Louie in? Do you know yeah. what's happening? Clearly everybody knows what's happening. And right. as you say, there could be a Talamasca spy in there. There could be all yeah. sorts of, you know, all sorts of things happening. And they seem to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter, I, I think the key, and I think that's, it's going to be this big revelation. Like it's, it's yeah. just going to be so fascinating to see yeah. how this all comes together. But I, I, it's, I feel like we're like there, like, that's, what's so interesting to me is that that's, we're, we're behind, like, we're still, I, I could hear Louis, I could, I can hear Louis say that, but his relationship with Armand was always tarnished by what happened to Claudia. And he doesn't know at this point what actually happened to Claudia. I, I guarantee he does not. He hasn't figured it out is he's right. not in control enough of his own mind um, to know. 
And you know, what's actually interesting is um, this went, okay, so I was reading the Vampire Armand when um, episode six came out and it was revealed that Rashid was Armand. Um, and so that made me, when, when I got to uh, the part of the Vampire Armand where he meets up with Louis and Lestat comes back to Paris and all this stuff and the horrible stuff with Claudia happens. I went and did a comparison of, of or not a comparison, but I went in and put all of the different pieces together from um, interview the vampire Lestat and the vampire Armand. And I am now 100% convinced that even in the books, Armand took over Louis's mind in an extreme way, um, which, which would account for a lot of the inconsistencies in um, interview compared, you know, once we, that we learn about in the future. It also um, explain what, you know, it, it also explains a lot about how Louis reacted to Armand from the beginning. Like when they first meet, he's so enamored by him that he's, he's like dazed by it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's 100% Armand fucking with his head. Can I right. curse him? I oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um and that's definitely what it was and then of course we know that he that Armand even admits to Louis that he forced Louis to make Madeline mm -hmm. uh, you know and it if Armand was willing to admit to doing that which is horrible in so many ways because like okay to, to me and I mean maybe maybe this is just me but as someone who has experienced most, most if not all of the different types of violence that, that, that exists, um, mental manipulation to the point of questioning your own reality is a level of violence that I think is more, I think it's like the most extreme kind of violence that you can do to an, to an individual. Yeah. Uh, and, <clears throat> He's just done so much of that to, to Louis and tried so hard to do that to Lestat. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to the whole point of this little ramble, which is I agree with you about the provocation of Lestat. I think that um, from the beginning, Armand's whole taking possession of Louis was about Lestat. Um, you know, he, he did have genuine feelings for Louis because everyone does, because everyone loves Louis because he's Louis, right. but ultimately Armand wants Lestat. He yeah. wants, Lestat, he wants to possess Lestat. He wants to be Lestat. He has this outrageous obsession for Lestat. And when Lestat comes to him in Paris for help, he has that one little joyous moment of thinking that he's coming to him to finally be his companion and love him and as soon as Lestat's like um nah bro I just can I have some blood please 
<laughs> and and he wants Louie back. Like he doesn't. He's not there for. He, he's there yeah. for Louie. Yeah, which um, he doesn't know at first that Louie's there. Right. Um, and he know, wants to get back to. I mean, like yeah. there's this whole like. Absolutely. He that's spills what makes it story to Armand, yeah. and um, in his weakness, you know, because he he doesn't. He he sees a flash of something behind Armand's eyes, and he's like that he doesn't understand he he puts it he thinks of, he, he he attributes it to something much less malicious than it is you know so when when Armand shows any little bit of pretend concern he just all of it spews out of him everything that had happened and he's just wreck he wants Louis back he misses Louis <clears throat> he's worried about Claudia you know he's He's not even. He's not mad at them at all. He just wants to know where they are, if they're okay. Especially Louis, he wants to leave back in his life, and all of this is just lighting a a fire of rage inside Armand that ends up, you know, leading to him doing the most atrocious things he ever does in his entire existence that we know about. Yeah. And <laughs> I and I do think that um, it all comes back to that. It's that's his ultimate deepest motivation for all of this um and i think armand being as powerful as he is um he would know the moment that lestat woke up so um if lestat woke up that you know before the interview started it would actually make a lot of sense for why armand is allowing and facilitating this interview um because what better way to say you know fuck you to Lestat than let's go ahead and publish this thing where I have your I have the most important thing that you've ever had it's my I'm taking him over I've taken possession of him completely ha (laughs) it's super antagonistic and very um and even like some of the things that louis says about lestat that don't really seem like he would say about lestat like about the song um where louis says you're listening to um a a re-recording from later on or what does he call it um an inferior re-recording from the original and the only difference is that it's lestat singing that would be like a freaking dagger in his heart like if because with music being as important as it is to Lestat if for Louis saying that and it just doesn't seem like the Louis thing to say or even think like Mm -hmm. that you know once Lestat re-recorded that for him with his voice with you know with him singing I guarantee you that that Louis in his own in his right mind treasures that like when he's in his right mind so like that was one of those inconsistencies that made me go huh what yeah yeah and see this you know this is where it gets really interesting for the prospects for the future of the series and you know as we kind of wrap up our conversation I would love to hear kind of your thoughts about how how do we get to season two based on where we were in season one what are your what are your predictions okay 
I have several. One is that Lestat, when he wakes up in modern times, whether it's before or, or after the interview has commenced, I'm guessing it's gonna be a little bit before and, and possibly be the catalyst for the interview itself. Um, but we know that season two is like the, the, the creators, they're not gonna waste Sam. They are not going to sideline Sam to only tell <clears throat> the pair, the Europe story of Louis and Claudia. Plus I don't, that wouldn't take up eight, eight episodes anyway. So what would make perfect sense to me and would align really well with the um, Mayfair, which is coming out in between season one and season two is if Lestat wakes up in Louisiana or in New Orleans in the present time after his second big sleep and ends up running into David Talbot and they start their friendship because that would give um that would give Lestat a means to tell his story and which I'm sure he is going to want to do anyway he's going to want to talk about this as soon as he can with mm -hmm. the first friend that he makes. Um, and it's also, you know, setting up their friendship because their friendship because such a, becomes such an important relationship through the whole series. It also would introduce David's role as scribe, um, which I'm sure is how the, the, the whole Vampire Chronicles story is gonna be able to be told under the interview with the vampire show mm -hmm. because in one way or another it can it's all going to be one type of interview with one type of vampire in one type of way mm -hmm. with, you know with um with Dave with David taking over as scribe also with David being the head of the Talamasca David has all of the all of the knowledge and information about all of the supernatural goings on in the world which would include whatever is going on in Dubai with Louis and Armand. He would mm -hmm. be able to tell Lestat, so, hey, just so <laughs> you know, um, this is happening. They're also writing a book. Just want to let you know that. <laughs> and that would be quite a... Um, a catalyst for Lestat to be like, oh no, you know what? No, get um, got, I need a PR person and a lawyer, and you sit, get go, get your laptop and start typing. We're we're doing this. We're doing this now. <laughs> and the within season two couldn't could then show like the first part of season two could be basically be um one on one hand Lestat's the the, the basically the first half of the vampire Lestat. Mm -hmm. uh, and then simultaneously uh, showing um, Claudia and Louis' adventures through Eastern Europe, making their way to France. Com and then it's, it, you know, it will eventually come to both of them, uh, you know, both, both Louis and Claudia and Lestat in France, in mm -hmm. Paris. And we'll get to see what happens to each of them in each of their stories. And I think it will ultimately come, that's, that's what's gonna come to a head is like the story 
basically just coming together that way, leading up to a, a massive revelation for Louis of what actually transpired. And, um, you know, Lestat getting to, to the point of getting to this place where he's gonna put this stuff out on every online source there is to put out. He's probably gonna start making TikToks and- <laughs> I, I could see that. <laughs> I mean, he's, it's, it's gonna be everywhere and <clears throat> really just um, get, you know, it just bringing those those story together to this big super climactic finish of, of Louis finding out all of what Armand has done mm-hmm. and the fallout and aftermath of of that yeah uh, and then I also think that um when Claudia and Louis get to Paris this Claudia is so cunning and observant and and brilliant and uh she's that I think she's going to be able to see through Armand's mind fuckery pretty quickly and try Mm -hmm. to save Louis from it which would likely end up causing more causing a lot of friction between the two of them I can see Louis possibly like accusing her of not wanting him to be happy, you know, coming between him and Lestat, making him kill Lestat. I can absolutely see him blaming her for the whole thing, saying, you made me do that. Just like he blamed Lestat for Claudia, for everything negative that happened with Claudia. He would, yeah. he, he would blame Lestat for it. And I, can I think that's it. a good point because, you know, one of the things, and one of the things I really loved about how Kirsten Dunst played it in 1994 is that she actually says, like, she's like, you'd leave me for Armand, like, you, you, like, and that, that kind of awareness, yeah, in a character, you know, like, she's, she sees it, she knew what Lestat was, she knows what Armand is, she knows that Santino's no good, she knows, like, she's looking at all of this, and it's like, she's looking at Louis, like, come on, pull your head out of your ass, like, you have to see this, like, you have to be able to see what's going on here, exactly, and for some reason, Louis just isn't capable of of seeing all of this just as i think as as you say that moment that daniel's looking at the two of them at the end of the of the season finale and he's got the look that i would think claudia would have like yep yep what like what? this is not the he's in your head bro <laughs> and um and that would also be a, a big catalyst for um for armand taking claudia out because there's not the immediate, there's not going to be the immediate judgment of her age, right? Um, so it's gonna, it's it's gonna come down to her, um, her being the the architect of the attack on the stot, um, and this, and and even that could be, you know, because because Louis ended up doing it in a way that, uh, you know, Lestat survives which I think we're actually going to end up seeing a whole, um, I think we're going to end up seeing the murder scene again next season. Um, and I think it's going to be a more accurate and more horrific and painful betrayal uh, or portrayal than um, what we saw here, because I don't think that um, Louis remembers or understood everything that, ha- that actually happened. But that's a, that's, that's more of a maybe than, than um, these, like these things I, I feel 
I will be very, very surprised if some iteration of these things don't come to pass for season two. It would be very surprising to me just because like I do kind of have a writer's brain and like I like to, you know, think of how stories can, can come can come together in, in different ways and interesting ways and ways that make sense and stuff like that. And all of these things just fit entirely too well to not have some iteration of it come to pass. But like, yeah, this with um with Claudia trying to open Louis Louis's eyes and say, you know, show him what Armand is doing to his mind, that would seal Claudia's fate. And yeah. um it would lead, you know, I can see that leading to Armand convincing her that he can help her with her body issues. <gasps> so horrible. Which may or may not, I mean, because she is older, maybe it doesn't have to be as extreme as, you know, I mean, the whole like five-year-old body, like, yeah, that she, because Bailey Bass is just incredible. Yes. And just like Kaylin Coleman was also incredible going from 20s to 40s as yeah. Grace. I mean, like they, these actresses have done such an amazing job aging up and you can see it without without makeup i mean yeah. it's just the inflection just the dress mm -hmm. and you know the, the their poise you yes. can see it in both of them and so i i have been wondering like is it do we have to go there because i have so close to being yeah. age appropriate i mean especially especially because this is where it gets a little complicated right we're talking like 1940s, 1950s. Mm -hmm. So she could blend in a lot easier, I think. But maybe not. I don't know. Like it's it's such I, an interesting thing. I don't think I she needs to be true. bigger. Yeah. I hope that because she, you're you're absolutely right. Her poise, her the way she carries herself, her her manner, her speech, she carries herself as a woman now. Like yeah. Just happens to be a very flat-chested woman like, and the people at the people in new orleans it, it at this big party i mean they're now thinking of her as their sister yes she has now i mean there's no doubt in their minds that she is the sister and not the daughter anymore like yeah because they don't you know time has passed my only um reservation about holding out too much hope for that is rollin was asked at one point what books do people need to read to really understand everything that's going to be happening with this part of the story? And one and one thing they do said was one specific part of the vampire Armand. Yeah, that was part of his answer. And um, I got a, a good enough view of um, Claudia's diaries that that Daniel started to read in the beginning of episode four that this and there was one line that really stood out to me and made me very concerned about that particular storyline because she says um okay the first diary that he looks at there is a line where um i believe it's 
the pair, I think it's actually the Paris diary that he opens up. Um, and after she's talking about how, yeah, it, it is, it is. And she says, you know, we've arrived in Paris. What a relief. My whole dead self feels revitalized head to toe. We might be outsiders to both human life and Parisian life, but I do appreciate both now with such, uh, with such fervor. Granted, I've never hated my body more. That gives me concerned. That, yeah. that makes but maybe it like you said maybe it won't have to be as extreme of experimentation <laughs> um but Armand being who he is I I can see it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, can I mean it, there's there are no there's there's such a there's so many different possibilities I mean I, you know I'm, I'm just thinking fashion at that yeah. time I could see where somebody her age would be, or, you know, physically her age would be like, I can't wear any of this because I don't have curves. I don't have, you know, the body to pull it off. I don't have, you know, the, I just can't like, yeah. And so I kind of want you to, maybe there's some plastic surgery, like some really weird, like, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's just, and again, it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like they they probably have to do some retconning of how they approach that because it is such a delicate issue. Yes. So I'm really, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I mean, we know what's coming. We know something's coming. That's yeah. all we know. We know, we know there's going to be some kind of issue that he's going to try and help her. We just no. don't know what it's going to be. And I can see like with, with her writing that in her diary, that means that that's something that's, that's, um, really swimming around in her mind a lot which means that Armand is going to know that right away right with um like that's something that I've tried to uh help um show only fans understand about um about Armand's abilities you know like Armand's uh, spell gift if you call it that like his spell gift and mind gift his ability to both read the deepest depths of a person's brain and manipulate a person's brain in ways that seem impossible. There's no other vampire on earth except for maybe Akasha that has that level of skill with, with mental manipulation. Like that actually, there is one, one thing that I wanna to touch on about episode five um so there because there was something that didn't add up for me about the the drop from episode five um one thing was i want to i want to make sure i get this i want to make sure i remember the different aspects of it okay one thing that was one of one of the issues was why would he drag him out into the street the super busy, always super busy streets of New Orleans instead of the courtyard um, to, to do that, to go up into the sky. Also, Louis' injuries are exactly the same at the beginning of episode six as they were when he was in the sky with, or, or supposedly in the sky with Lestat or, and when he was being dragged through um, and the only injuries he has are a few shattered vertebrae 
punctured lung, uh, the kind of injuries that he would, that he would have just from that, from that brawl. Mm-hmm. Lestat, when Lestat is thrown off, when Armand throws Lestat off the tower, it's nowhere near from that the height, nowhere near. Right. And Lestat is, even in his weakened state, Lestat was still exponentially stronger than Louis. And Lestat's every bone in Lestat's body shatters. And it takes two years before he's even able to move enough to get on a boat home. Right. And Louis is able to walk immediately. And like that, and the, so those, that pattern of injuries does not add up and it never added up to me. Um, but I thought initially I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe he's just a little bit more resilient or, you know, maybe it just wasn't as, as high as he made it as Louis initially was describing it or something like that. But then it occurred to me that was entirely too similar to the whole circumstance, the, the whole scene with Armand and Lestat at, on the, in the tower, at the tower, mm-hmm. because you have Lestat saying, you know, I loved you and, and, you know, you're not giving me this love back. You know, why won't you, why won't you love me like I loved you? And then Armand was basically begging Lestat to love him. It's like, you know, just love me and, and I'll heal you and everything will be fine, but just, just love me. And I'll make all of your, your pain and problems go away. And when Lestat's like, dude, I can't do that. I can't just, that's not how anything works. I don't love you. I can't, you say, uh, sorry, no. Drop kicks him off the tower. <laughs> I mean, it's, those are so, there's so many similarities between those two things that, you know, it, when combined with these other inconsistencies it makes me wonder if that is a memory that Armand you know specially planted in order to instill a fear of Lestat a legitimate personal fear of Lestat not a not a fear for Claudia not a um conflict of having to make the choice between Claudia and Lestat but an actual legitimate fear of his own personal safety from Lestat because it would take something that extreme to make Louis actually fear him Mm -hmm. for safety. And we know that that would not be difficult for Armand to do. He's more than capable of creating a memory like that and reinforcing it. If he has time with with that person, and access, constant access to that person, mm-hmm. he could easily reinforce that memory and, you know, make it into a PTSD thing where he does have nightmares and, and feels the, you know, feels the wind on his skin because that, those are all things that Armand is able to create in a person's mind. Right. And, and I also don't think we're ever gonna know for sure I think that the show is going to do something very similar to what the books does and say, you know, and give this, this perspective and this perspective and this perspective and 
it's going to be up to us to figure out what we believe actually happened. And that'll be interesting because there's so many, you know, there, there's so many possibilities, but I think that depending on how Lestat comes back into the picture, mm-hmm. that will determine so much of how this plays out. Because if this all was a ploy to get Lestat back, like if, if Armand is so, like he's using Louis as a pawn to get Lestat back into his life, let's just say, let's mm-hmm. in a vacuum without trying to think of how and why and all of the reasons, sure. like that was a reason, then it makes sense because then he would be clearing Louis, like he's basically doing what he did to Claudia by saying like, yeah, I can take care of this and you'll be, you can go off and do your thing he's telling Louis, like, you don't want him. And yeah. it, because there are some inconsistencies even with how Louis describes Lestat and, and Daniel yep. calls him out on it. Yep. And he's like, it sounds like you actually like him. Yeah. And Louis seems kind of surprised when Daniel's surprised. Yeah. But Armand isn't in the picture at that, but like he's not there. Maybe he's not yep. around. So he doesn't know that Louis having those moments. So there's, there's so many pieces. So it, I think it all is going to depend on how this plays out. Now, let me ask you this, mm-hmm. kind of in closing, what's the one thing that you cannot wait to see that you hope to see in season two? Oh, oh, Mm-mm-mm. it is a very, um, close race between uh, his relationship with Nikki and the tragedy of how that ends up mm-hmm. and Gabriella and all things Gabriella because I love her I think she is an, just amazing perfect and like the embodiment of what a perfect vampire is like she's the per- if there's any person on the planet who was meant to become a vampire, it is Marquis Gabriela de Leon. She's perfect. She's perfect, perfect, perfect. So I'm really excited to see her. And also, um, what was the other thing I just had in my head? Oh, I, I'm looking for. A, I, I want to see the the. Um, I, I want to see the the way Armand's stuff plays out in with both taking over Louis and battling with Lestat in Paris those three things are like all equal they fight for dominance in my brain I think probably Nikki would be the like if I had to like gun to my head of attitudes I would say Nikki and their relationship and it's gonna kill me. It's gonna rip my heart into shreds. Because I mean, every time I read, every time I read um, the passage where he comes out of his catatonic state and goes off on Lestat with his new scram- with his newly scrambled brain, I just sob like a baby. <laughs> it's just so sad to me it's just so so sad because Nikki was already such a dark damaged 
not damaged, but dark. Like he, he's, he had, he always had that darkness, but Lestat was his light, you know, mm -hmm. like he was able to, to get through that darkness because of Lestat. And then God, Armand messes with his, his head up so badly that that's exactly what Nikki suddenly hates him for. Right. Like suddenly hates him for the very thing that he loved most about him. And it's just so tragic. Yeah. <laughs> there is so much, so much to look forward to. And it's, it's some of it's sad and some of it's going to be exhilarating. And it, what all I know is it'll be entertaining. It is definitely. What are you most looking forward to? You know, I, I, I can't really pinpoint a moment. I'm hoping Marius shows up. That would make me very happy. Yeah. Um, but I think more than anything, I just, I'm so eager for the story to continue Yeah. that I don't care what it is. I yeah. just want to see what, because it, it's just been so enjoyable to sit back and not know from week to week. I mean, when I saw the first five episodes and to be able to see them back to back to back to back, like that was very, that was a, a really interesting thing because I had zero idea of what was happening. The amount of time I spent thinking about these episodes and then yeah. to, to get, because it, one of the, the, the blessings and the curse of having, of having access to these is that most everybody who was watching it, who didn't, wasn't reviewing it had a week between episodes. Yeah. I had over a month, Oof. well over a month from five to six. Oh, wow. So I that sat with five for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. Very long time. Mm. And I thought about it and I pondered it and I thought about what had gone on and what could possibly happen next and how it could happen. And then to go from six to seven so quickly, I, I mean, I was just on the edge of my seat, but I, all I knew was that the, the story was so compelling that yeah. I just, I, all I wanted to do was know what happens. I want to know how it opens it doesn't even matter to me at this point. I've, I've realized, I've come to terms with that. As much as I love the Vampire Chronicles, and as much as I love specific moments, I am so excited about knowing what happens next yeah. in this universe that I almost, it's like, whatever you do, just, just I'm, I'm good with it. I just want to see it. I just want to, I just want to know how you do it and I will be happy. But I obviously am cheering for some some Marius moments and uh I, and I love Assad as 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 Armand Me and too. He, like I, I would love to see more of that um, have... I know he's excited about it so it's like yeah. I, I want to see how you know where this goes and again it just so it all just kind of goes back to like I just want to see the story that's all I want I, I just want to see how this happens because there are so many interesting characters so many possibilities right and so many places for other characters to pop up that I'm like, you know what? I really don't care. I just yeah. want to, I just, just let me see it. Yeah. I, I have a lot of trust for the writers and for Roland because they've done such a great job so far. I really do. Um, I trust in them. And I also trust in them because Sam has explicitly said that he trusts in them after having, you know, conversations about where the story's going. Sam has said that he has total trust and he's trying to get in, involved in the writing process. So that is very cool. Do we have time for me to um, mention some thoughts that I've had regarding Armand and 
this him being Muslim in the show. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so if that was not just a theatrical display for Daniel, which is possible, it's entirely possible. Um, I think that the show has a really great opportunity to shine a light on on Islam in a really beautiful way that turns the majority of media portrayal of Islam completely on its head because mm-hmm. they could do a couple of different things with it one they could do a situation where um Armand was born into Islam and then forced um to convert when, after he's kidnapped from Marius mm-hmm. which would add another layer of tragedy to that you know the forced conversion because at least in the um at least you know in the books he's already catholic you know those 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 beliefs they're already in there you know this is just another take on them for him that's why it's relatively easy for him to assimilate into that cult Mm -hmm. but but if he had to go from islam to converting to like the most extreme and horribly violent and terrible aspects of catholicism and christianity that would be terrible and then he would also have the opportunity for once he's freed from the cult to be able to in time turn back to islam as like a salve for that horrible religious trauma that he went through from the violence of Christianity to the relative peace of Islam when you compare the two. And I think that that would be such an, a beautiful, beautiful thing to portray and an important thing to portray after everything that popular media has done in the past with regard to Islam. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think that it's, there's so many there's so many truths to, to that, you know, regardless, I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, he was Russian and he was from, you know, this is how this happened. And this is how he ended up in Venice. And this is how, or in, in, you know, this is, this is how everything happened the way it did in his life. I, the constant is that he is a very deeply religious person. Yeah. And And I think that it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter so much because as you say the trauma of being forced to convert from one to another who knows what the you know i I, again very smart placement of of dialogue when when daniel starts quizzing him Mm -hmm. like are you actually muslim like yeah do you know what you're doing and it could be an act for all we know i i would hesitate to think it's an act because i don't think that they would show him praying right i think that would be insensitive if they did if they used that moment i agree but i also think that there's a lot of of benefit i mean even even if the, even if he wasn't born muslim mm-hmm. he's so deeply religious yeah that i could see where he would say you know what i don't feel comfortable yeah in catholicism of the modern era that i'm now going to convert because really again at the at the core he is a deeply religious person yep. That and was if you the, read Memnock the Devil, that's the that's what you know pushes him to do something that you would think is unthinkable for someone like him. Right. Well so it's it's a very interesting 
good point that you make. And I think that there could be a lot, a lot to play with there yeah. that, you know, there, there's so many ways of doing it, but it's such yeah. an, imp- I, I agree. It's such an important aspect of his story to have, you know, to have that religious conviction yep. being and an empire. Like you said, even if he wasn't born Muslim, that was going to be my other um, thing is like, he doesn't, he doesn't have to be born Muslim. He could be born into Christian, you know, into Christianity the way that he was in the books, but then still end up turning to Islam to try to heal that. Because Islam is, is significantly more peaceful in general than, than Christianity is, particularly Catholicism. And I would love, I would love to see that play out. You know, I would love to see Islam treated as the peaceful religion that it is and as something that could act as, um, as a treatment for such major spiritual wounds. I think that would just be so beautiful to see. Um, and that was, um, what was the other thing that I was gonna say? I completely, uh, that, was, that was something else having to do with it and then it just blew from, from, from my mind. <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, it, you know, it's the good thing is, is that we have months and months and months until the show returns. So this won't be our only conversation. I'm sure we're going to have many conversations and I would love to have you back, Jen. I, I think would it's been so much love. fun being able to talk. And, and again, this is what it's all about. I mean, it, I could absolutely see us doing like a Brady Bunch Zoom meeting with like nine right. different people and everybody chirping in about, you know, their, their thoughts, you know, and, and to have the Armand apologists and the Lestat yeah. apologists and get everybody out there, get everybody, get their voices heard. I think it would just be, it would be so much fun. And I think that's, what's so much fun about having this particular, you know, moment for this show is to be able to come together and enjoy it as a community. So if you think of anything, we are going to have another conversation. Absolutely. I would, so, love, um, I would love to come back after, after I finish blood communion, after I finish the last book, yeah Uh, to to, you know update all of my thoughts and feelings after all of the all of the stories play out and you still have a long way to go in this journey and it's it's exciting but it's also knowing knowing what happens I can't wait to hear (laughs) there will be (laughs) moments where you're just like what wait wait what what but there's also some beautiful moments that I love you know, I mean, you've already met Fareed, you know, there, there's so many different characters that do- the doctor who comes in. Oh, I'm really excited to read about, about You that. have already been introduced to some of these characters that you will yeah. meet later. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really intrigued to know where you fall, you know, so, so yeah, you know what, let's, let's pencil that in. When you finish, when you get to the end, we're going to talk again and we're going to see how everything plays out after I, I was going to say how much your opinions change but we're not going to I'm not going to say that quite yet we'll just say let's see where you end up yeah end of all of these books because they do there is a lot of influence and a lot of stuff happens and I would say I was very surprised at how like I when I read Merrick I love Merrick I loved that book more than I expected to when I was getting into it. Um, and what really shocked me, I never 
thought that I could in any way, shape or form root for Louis ha having a love outside of the stop. I mm -hmm. never thought that I could be okay. Like I'm fine with their polyamory. I'm fine with them, you know, occasionally spending, you know, spending time with other people and doing their thing. Totally cool with that. But when it comes to Louis's heart, I just never thought I would ever be okay with him genuinely being in love with another person other than Lestat. And I was, yeah. I, I would, I found myself rooting for this relationship and, and, and that sh I'm like, I was just shocked at myself as I'm reading it. I'm like, am I really thinking these things? Am I really feeling these things right now? Yeah. Yeah. And, I just thought it was really beautiful the way that they were so immediately taken with one another and the way that their spirits are so similar and the way that their souls are so similar. Like they have, um, they have a connection and they have a connection that Louis and Lestat were never really able to have because Lestat is, is so anti-organized religion mm -hmm. and you know, so, so it's just, it, it was really interesting to see. And I was very, very glad that Lestat was like, you know what, let's just all live together and fucking be happy. <laughs> 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 I like, he did, he wasn't resentful at all. And I love um, that. Loved, I love that. He was like, you know what, I like this for you. I think you deserve this you know, this something that, you know, this is something that I couldn't ever, that I would never be able to give you. This is a, this is a part, a thing that I would never be able to give you. So I'm, I bless this relationship as long as we all stay together and have yeah. our little you know, weekly orgies. Yeah. We're all good. <laughs> well, that, you know, again, when you get to the end, we're going to talk because there's so much there are so many things that happen throughout the series that I, I just can't, I can't wait to hear where you end up. So I want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. I, I want to thank you for reaching out. I want to thank you for, for doing this, but I also just, I mean, just thank you for, you know, all of the comments on Twitter and all of the things that you put out into the world, because every, it's amazing to think that no one has all the answers. I don't think Rollin and Mark Johnson and, you know, I, I think Sam Reed appreciates what fans are saying because he doesn't have all the answers. Yeah. And, and, and without Anne Rice here, there are no answers anymore. It's yep. just what, you know, and, and even I think if she were to be here, I don't think that she would have all the answers because she's, you know, she, how you read things is completely different from person to person and the things that you pick up on, you know, it's like I said, I, I read the books now completely differently yeah. than I did back then. And I think everybody discovers things. It depends on where you are in your life, your life experience. Um, you know, some days you're rooting, you feel like a Lestat and other days you feel like a Louie, like it, it, yeah. there's so many layers to it. So I think to be able to share our, our thoughts and opinions is so important. And, really? you know, to do it in a safe space where you don't have to feel like, you know, no one, no one is, and I love this about our community is that nobody is, is attacking anybody for having, you know, a, 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 an affection for 
helpless dad, you know, even, you know, even as the people are reading the list of his offenses and going, wait, incest, what, you know, <laughs> people, people are still like, yeah, but don't worry about it. It's okay. Don't, it just don't, it, it's it totally hurt. fine. <laughs> you know, it's, a, I love that we're able to have these, these conversations. So, yeah. you know, one of the reasons that I've put the, you know, I, I'm sure you've noticed from the um, analyses and content that I've, I've put out, um, mainly on Twitter, I have really tried to help people see the complexities and the nuance and the layers, mm -hmm. because I think that I, you know, I've actually seen even within, um, even within parts of the fandom that do understand the complexities of these stories, they're um, having, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I think that, that what's happening is seeing some of these things happen on screen versus reading them is making some people um, get a little bit too into looking at it through the lens of humanity versus vampirism and um, focusing way too much on like domestic violence issues, which while that's of course there, like some people have started to believe that the core of, of the story of the show is the toxicity and the analysis of, of, of the domestic violence and stuff. And that's so not the case. Right. You know, when Rollin is, is saying, you know, this is a story of, of, about toxic relationships, he's saying all of these relationships are toxic. All of the, there's no such thing as a healthy vampire relationship. So all of these, these relationships are going to be toxic and we're going to do our best to portray that realistically and, you know, do that justice, but don't focus on, on that because that's not the story. That's not what the story is about. That's right. just a part of who these people are because they're vampires and not humans. Violence is at their core. It's how they communicate in a lot of ways. They're 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 just na they're naturally violent. It's going to happen. There's this the toxicity is always going to be there. You know, all of their emotions are heightened. So it's I think he was more. I, I really it's more just like this is this is a big part of the story. Just so you know, but it's not what the story is about. Right. And right. I, I really have been trying to help people see that and see the, you know, the, um, see the complexity and try to help people see through, like, view the content through the eyes of, um, of a vampire instead of through the eyes of a human. Yeah. And it's because it's so much easier to enjoy the difficulties that way. Um, you know, if you stay rooted in your own humanity when you get into the story, it's really, it, it's hard. It's a lot harder to enjoy because yeah. there is so much violence, you know, interpersonal violence, domestic violence, parental violence, because that's just, that's just their nature. And it's, yeah. a, it's a dark Gothic story, but it's at its heart, it's about the beauty of the love of the different kinds of love it's about love and you know whether it's the romantic love like like with Louis and Lestat or parental love like with them and Claudia or friendship like between um 
David Talbot and, and Lestat, I mean, there's so, there's so many different types of love and this, that's what it boils down to. And forgiveness, you know, it's love is forgiveness. It's accepting the worst parts of these people in your lives, you know, and like, that's what it's all about. It's, it's about, you know, it's about the love and the characters and, um, you know, how they're able to, to basically, you know, stay, stick together in one way or another. Mm-hmm through eternity yeah yeah and at the end of the day i mean it is it is very important to remember that these are these are creatures that have to kill to survive so they're not uh they're not angels right (laughs) they don't start out easy i mean it it, even louis killing animals he's still killing so it's you know there's still some there no one's innocent here and so it's it's a it's and that doesn't that doesn't excuse anything no it's just but it is it's something that people need to i think people need to remember because it's a very um you know it's like people not to fault people who fall in love with serial killers but if you fell in love with a serial serial killer as as you see people do on these you know true crime documentaries you have to recognize the inherent background and that the things that these you know you can't ignore that for the sake of of you know oh I oh this is the most beautiful creature I've ever seen you know this is you know Lestat's so beautiful or Louis so beautiful or you know like they're still dangerous they're still you know you still have to remember that so it's 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 an interesting that's all part of this uh part of the story and that's what makes it so intriguing so absolutely everyone you know the complexities, complexity and nuance and layers and you know, moral grayness, if you will, even though I don't think that quite is the correct term. I don't think there really is a correct term when, when talking about it, but, but that's, that's, that's what, that's the majesty of the Vampire Chronicles. Yeah. I, it's, it's not a sanitized vampire story. It's not sanitized to make you feel comfortable with it. Like, yeah it's gonna you know it's gonna be uncomfortable to love these these people but it's worth it's worth it they are still worthy of love they're still loving they're still there's still so many wonderful wonderful traits in all of them even in the worst of them and so you know it's like it's okay to love these characters even though they're terrible you know if you'll icky you know you might want to justify them and you might want to you know do you know argue this you know well, this, this person is okay. And that person's not okay, but it's not, it's not about that. It's, you know, just accept that these people are who they are and love them anyway, just like they do for one another. Right. And they're also fictitious. Yes. So it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's just like that famous line from the book and spoken so brilliantly by Brad Pitt that, you know, Dracula is fictions by, of a demented Irishman. <laughs> these are these are not real characters so it is okay to have you know to have complex feelings about fictitious characters because they don't exist and we can analyze and we can imagine and daydream and fantasize about you know characters all day long because they they're they're meant to inspire those feelings and you don't have to you know it, it's it's at the end of the day, it's fiction, and that's 
you know, that's the whole point. And that's it. If we're entertained and we're moved and we're inspired, then the fiction has done its job. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. There's um, another, or one of the other uh, fan podcasts. Um, what is his name? I want to say his name is Mark something on Vampire Insider. He, he brings up a good point whenever Christina and um, I believe Joanna is the other, is the other person's name, but they, they do sometimes get a little bit too hung up in the humanity of it and mm-hmm. come in and be like, basically though, is it a good story? You know, is this, a, is this a good story that's being told? Is this entertaining? Is this, is, is the story handled? Well, is it a good story? Yeah. And I got to give him props for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this has just been so much fun and I, I can't wait to, to chat again. Jen, tell everybody where they can find you on, on social media and out in the, out, out in the universe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am on Twitter at uh, creative spoonie and I am also on Instagram uh, at creative spoonie underscore. And then um, I do have a discord server that's um, very, it's very small and I'm, I'm not going to um, build it into anything huge, but it's basically I'm being treated as like a book club and show club simultaneously. So we can um, discuss the episodes and discuss um, the books and the specific sections of the books. And um, if anyone is interested in um, an invite to the Discord, you can absolutely send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram. I'm not, I, I have a Facebook profile. Um, you know, it's my name, Jennifer Bowler, but I'm never on it. I basically just have it for pictures of my niece and nephew and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty much just Instagram and um, Instagram and Twitter and discord for now um but i am considering um creating a podcast of my own or finding someone to to co-host with or something something like that because i I really like this format so that could end up coming to fruition at some point we'll see (laughs) fantastic well we will chat as soon as you get down to the end of uh the vampire chronicles but for now i just want to thank you and um Yeah, until we talk again, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. All right, and if you've made it to the end of the podcast, congratulations. It was a long one, but I think you can agree. It was a really fun conversation. I'm so excited for the next season of Interview with a Vampire, but there is so much to break down that it's going to take us all of that time just to be able to break it down entirely. So it's going to be a fun off season, everybody. I think it's it's really going to be a time where we can sit back and reflect and, and find those Easter eggs and discover things upon you know, our second, third, fourth, fifth watches of the series. So I'm excited and and I'm really excited to share that journey with everybody. So again, if you're interested in joining me on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Beth Pollock. And again, I want to thank you for all of the reviews, the, the, the subscriptions, the um, recommendations. I, I really appreciate it. It means so much that 
you're enjoying the podcast and I look forward to bringing you even more episodes in the future. So thank you so much and we will definitely chat soon. Take care, everyone.